Hello, and welcome back to the Smarter Business Finance Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6. My name is Jennifer Casey, and I'm here with... Bobby Jackson at Smarter Finance. And we're excited to talk about startup businesses and give you guys some tips and tricks and some insights on what you need in order to get your business up and running. Do you remember when you were 18 years old and you were ready to get a car? Well, I mean, I didn't finance a car at 18, but I know <laughs> that there's people that do finance cars at, at 18 um, or maybe even got your first credit card. I was one of those people who financed a car at 18, unfortunately. <laughs> so in the beginning of my time trying to finance a vehicle, getting you know, my first job at a golf course when I was a freshman in college, I wanted to finance for some reason instead of looking to save up and buy a car. Um, so I got my bucket going into some of these companies realizing that I didn't have the credit to qualify for financing my first car. So you know what you do? If you're young, you call your, mind, your mom up and you say, <laughs> <laughs> look, I need a co-signer, yeah. <laughs> right? So my first car, I wasn't qualified for, but I was able to get it because my, my mother co-signed for it. It was a Ford Focus at that time. And so knowing, you know, if you're young and you're 18 years old, you're fresh on the block, no one wants to accept you, uh, you need a co-signer or you better have some money for a down payment and take a higher rate, really. Yeah, yeah. true. It's funny, I actually drove a Ford Focus for quite some time when I was younger, too. Uh, would you look at that? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. feel like Ford Focuses is everybody's startup car. Yes. I mean, yeah. if you don't know what to begin with, go with the Ford. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there you go. My first car was a beat up old Nissan Maxima and I think it had 300,000 miles on it. So when you're 18 years old and you're walking into a dealership and you're trying to get a vehicle and you know they had said okay well who do you have to co-sign but you still have to supply information that you're gonna make the payment right? Exactly. Even though you got someone to say you know here's my credit how did you do that? So what do they ask for? That's the thing so when you're going in as an 18 year old you have no credit established, no credit history. You just turned 18, right? And you're looking to establish that. Lenders look at that and they look at your credit and they say, well, this person doesn't have any assurance that we can think for sure this person can pay back this loan that they're trying to finance, right? So they need a couple other things to make sure that you can actually show them that they can trust you and that you can actually repay that loan. So they're asking things like, okay, what do you have as a down payment? Looking for 20% down. Also, they wanna make sure you have some income coming in. Pay stubs. Paycheck stubs, bank statements, sometimes even going back to like six months. Mm -hmm. So these are the type of things that you need to show and say, hey, I know I'm new to the credit game and the credit industry, but I make money, I have some income even though I'm young, and I wanna make sure that you can see that I can repay this loan. There's all types of things. So when you look at that, going into financing as an eight-year-old can be the same as going into financing as a startup company or a startup business. Right. We have no business credit to go off of. Exactly. We don't have any history really, just really someone's personal credit, which it's right. kind of funny because when it comes down to financing a small business owner, it's not just the personal credit and it's not necessarily just even the score. Right. Sometimes people say, oh, I have a 750 FICO, but they have no established history <laughs> and they yeah, even know exactly. they don't have any comparables. Right. Right. So one of the biggest things is not only just having comparables. So what, what, what's a comparable that we would look at as a as a finance company for right. something that would make sense that would would uh, would be similar to something that we would finance? Well, a comparable trade line is going to be important. A good comparable, of course, would be like a car loan. Mm -hmm. Okay, when you look at a car loan, that's like 
basically equipment. Right. You're using it from point A to point B, and you have to do it for work or wherever personal use. But that will allow us to see what you financed in the past to determine what you can finance in the future. Right. So if you finance a car like a Ford Focus when you're 18 years old, and you did that for at least 12 months to 24 months, that can be a good comparable trade line that lenders are looking at and say, okay, he paid this for this amount of time. We can trust him for also paying this loan, maybe at a little bit more. 50% of what you're trying to finance can be good when you're looking at it. So right. if you finance that for focus for $15,000, you may be able to finance equipment for $30,000 or $45,000. Right. Yeah, no, you make a big, a good point. I think about just my first time that I got a first, my first credit card. Right. So I remember um, I had had a family member who said, okay, well, in order to build your credit, you need to have credit. If you don't have any credit, no one will give you credit. And it's, exactly. this, it's just this game, it's like cycle, the chicken yeah. and the egg, <laughs> exactly. what came first? So right. for me, I went down to Old Navy and got an Old Navy credit card for, I mean, I'm probably going to age myself to say this, but I think my credit limit at that time was like $100. And mm. that was a lot of clothes. Back $100, yeah, $100. And then as you progressed, I was able to get a little bit more, a little bit more with right. a good pay history. And it really is similar really to that nice. in regards to businesses. Because the first time that you're coming in, especially as a startup, if you don't have any comparable credit or if your comparable credit is a lot lower, they're only going to give you so much. So one right. of the things that we talk about is max exposure, mm -hmm. right? So max exposure is something where if a small business owner is looking out to, to take um, funding, we might say, well, based on the fact that your startup, typically the max exposure for a startup is what? 45? 45,000, 50,000. 50, if they have really good credit, you're looking at 75 and stretching it to 100. Mm -hmm. So another thing on that, it's really funny when you say, you know, I have good credit, but they don't really have any established credit. So some people come in saying, I'm a 750 FICO but they have four trade lines. <laughs> so right, at that time, right. the lenders are looking, okay, you may say you have this certain FICO, but what have you financed in the past, right? right? So we talk about comparable trade lines. That comparable trade line is gonna let the lender know, okay, he has this FICO while managing paying off this loan. Right. So that's gonna help them build that trust. Right. And as we continue to talk, lenders, they look at startup businesses as risky in general mm -hmm. because what are the statistics? I believe it's nine out of 10. Every nine out of 10 startups fail. Right. So that means one out of the 10 startups will actually make it. Right, right. And then, it, and then at five years, 50% of startups fail. Right. And then at 10 years, it goes to 70%. Right. So lenders also knowing about that failure rate with startups, they're going to consider it high risk. High risk, exactly. High risk. It's funny that when we were talking about credit before, I was just thinking about the point of, you know, just because we're saying that we want to see a comparable credit or we want to see credit history or credit depth, are we saying that we want someone to come in with a lot of credit cards or a lot of debt? Right. No. No. Right? Exactly. We want to see that they are not leveraged. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing um, for uh, what lenders look at is not just credit. They want to see that someone has access to cash, right? Yeah, liquid cash. Liquid capital. cash. Right. So sometimes we ask for proof of cash. Now, there's a few different ways that we can do this. We want to see either checking accounts. Mm -hmm. Obviously, savings would be secondary. Of course. But sometimes clients will send us um, their 401k or right. money market accounts. And 
is that something that we can, it's going to be helpful in the deal or not? Not necessarily because access to those funds can be varied and right. determined. So depending on we can get access to that funds and how long that those funds are available, right? right? Because they're not only asking for one statement or one month of statement, they're asking for 90 days. Right. So they have to make sure this is not just one off shot that you have this money because in the future, you're gonna to have to be paying this for two, three, four, five years. Right. So just because you have that at this moment doesn't mean that you can you know, sustain that for a long time. Right. You know, so th there's all those things we look at, right? So we talk about three things that are very important, which is gonna be credit, of course, and cash capital and time and business. So if one of those things isn't strong, at least the other two have to be strong, mm -hmm. right? So if you don't have strong time and business being a startup, they're going to be heavily scrutinizing your credit and looking at your cash capital. Right. And those two things will have to be strong for you to secure financing right. or even have a shot. Right. It, I find that so interesting because sometimes people will run a business under one name and then they will change the business name. So one of the things I True. think about is what is a startup, right? What is a startup? I have been, let's say, running a catering business and the catering business has been for friends and family and I don't necessarily make enough to file a full tax return um, but I know that I've been running this business we have people that come in that say that they've been running a business for several years of course but we have no proof of it right so one of the biggest things that we need to see is industry experience mm -hmm. right we want to see that they've been doing this but we have to prove it's provable exactly. industry experience I just can't have a, a letter from your auntie <laughs> telling me that your food is really right. good or someone who you did meal prep services right. for saying that you know that you did this for six months and, and they paid you a hundred bucks a month you actually have to have tangible items exactly and right? then we talk about tax returns because someone can say oh I've been a sole proprietorship for three four years I'm technically not a startup and so well how do we justify that they say we have to provide some tax returns we have people that say oh I've been running for three years, but I haven't filed taxes yet. Mm. Oh, you're a startup <laughs> because yeah. we're going to have to go off that filing date. So what do we have that's tangible to show that you're not a startup and you've been in that industry for a long time? Right. But of course, as you say, startup, we're looking at industry experience as one of the main things that we need to show that, okay, we can trust that they're going to run their business because they have that industry experience so they can transfer over to running and operating their own business. Right. But of course. So now we've kind of gone over some good points. I just kind of want to summarize it. So we need comparable credit, something that they've financed, typically a vehicle loan or installment loan, something that's secured. We want to see that they um, have cash flow. We want to see that they have actual depth to their credit, maybe other things that they've made payments on. Um, we want to see industry experience. What else would be something that we would need in order to get from a client to prove that or, or to get this ready to for um, a startup? We need to know what their actual business plan is exactly. or even what equipment they're looking to purchase, right? Because mm -hmm. the equipment can determine if the lender is going to want to take a chance on them. Right. Because really, it's, it's a chance for the lender. They're mm -hmm. taking a chance. Because one question that we can kind of talk about is the fact, is it hard for startups to get financing or not? It's mm -hmm. very difficult to get financing as a startup, right? Simply because you have no understanding if this is going to be able to be successful for you in a long-term future, right? Right. We can also look at, if, if you're thinking about industries, obviously restaurants are the difficult, hardest, hardest, very, very high risk. But it's different if someone comes in and they're just trying to do a one-off. Hey, I'm, just, I'm, I'm opening up Jen's Pizza, mm -hmm. Pizza Parlor versus, hey, I'm actually going to be a part of this franchise. 
That's different. And yeah. I have been a manager at this franchise and um, I've run several locations and the franchise is, here's the franchise plan and there's 20 other locations. That's completely different, right? So a lot right. of it too is scenario, the story behind it. You know, if they're able to show that they've been a part of something bigger, that they've run that before and had the experience, mm -hmm. that is also super helpful versus they were just doing this for six months and again, you know, a, a one-off situation with the type of business that they're setting up. Exactly. So high-risk industries would be what? Restaurants? Restaurants. Trucking? Uh, trucking, if it's over-the-road trucking, especially because that's the risk, being over the road. And if you don't know how to operate that type of truck or that type of equipment, no experience, it breaks down, it needs maintenance, you're gonna fail. Right, and you'll need extra cash in order for that. Exactly. One of the biggest things with small business owners in the first two years of the of them having their business is not having enough cash. Exactly. So they have to make sure that they're preparing themselves, tucking away money. Mm -hmm. You know, when they're coming forward to um, a lender to say, I'm ready to move forward, I'm ready to start up this business, they have to show that they can back themselves. And that's actually even something that we ask them. We go through a questionnaire right. and we say, if something was to happen, if something was to break, if you needed to replace it, if you, if your employee quit tomorrow, how would you run this? What is your game plan? What is your mm -hmm. action plan? How are you going to be prepared, right? Because mm -hmm. being prepared is the biggest thing when you're running a business in the first two years because you don't know what's going to come at you. Yeah, and what's your plan for generating revenue? Right. What, I believe that uh, biz, most businesses don't generate revenue, actual revenue, until about the fourth year of their business. So uh, that's the common statistics. Of course, some industries are more successful for others. I believe that dump trucks have like an 89% success rate. Mm. So that can be big business for somebody to get a good return on investment. But if we're looking across the board, a lot of people aren't generating revenue in the beginning, they're putting in revenue. Yeah. Investing, investing, investing with the hope that their business will succeed and generate revenue. So if they're not prepared with cash reserves and their business plan isn't tight or if they have something backing them, that can be them setting themselves up for failure. Right. Because lenders also, with the industry experience, do you have the capable knowledge of your industry to understand how this business is supposed to run and perform? Have you done that research and understood what you're getting into? <laughs> because everybody's so optimistic with the American dream, right? But banks look at it completely differently. I don't care about your optimism. <laughs> I care about the actual numbers, what right. you can actually do. I so. know. I, it's, it's definitely not anything, you know, set in stone. But I always yeah. say, you know, in the, in the, in the world of our, of our legal system, right, mm -hmm. you're innocent until proven guilty. guilty. <laughs> but when it's the lending world, it can be like you're guilty until proven innocent. Exactly. Like we have to get through so much red tape and prove. And a lot of the times the clients get really frustrated. So we have to let them know, like, you know, you have to be patient and you, you have to be able to be easy to work with right. and easy to get information because the harder that you make it and you're, if you're not as open about your history, your background or what the scenario is, the less information that we're able to, to let the lender know and the less comfortable they are with the situation. Exactly. But you know, you have to think of it as well. I would feel the same way. You're asking for money from right. me, right? So if you're asking money from me, if a family member says, hey, I want money from you, I'm going to say, why? What is it going to be used for? How much do you need? And when are you going to pay me back? Right. What's your plan to pay me back? Exactly. If you're, you're treating it as as you would any type of financial transaction. And hopefully, you know, I don't know how deep people's pockets are to be lending out to their family members, but there are some people that do that. And I promise you, right. if you ask that family member for money, they're going to ask you those same questions. Well, now I'm just thinking about what it takes to ask you for money now. <laughs> how am I to get prepared to ask you for some money? I got to go into it. <laughs> 
that's that's a really good thing to think about. I think that with me and you, right, we want to help our clients be able to be set up for success. And it's another thing to where in this industry, they don't have a lot of resources where they can kind of gain this type of knowledge to understand what they need to be prepared for going into it. Right. So I think really honing down on what they need to be qualified for um, and what they need to actually meet the you know qualifications of the lenders is good knowledge for them to have. Right. Like we talked about this entire time, explaining to them the importance of their credit because if they don't have the means of credit to establish it now, right? If they can't get it now, we could go back and say, hey, work on this and work on this so that you can be set up for qualifications later. Right, right. right. Giving them tidbits, for instance, they have a comparable trade line. Also, home ownership is another thing in the startup industry that can actually bring them over the edge. Mm -hmm. And that's a question we should ask. Maybe that doesn't show up in their credit history, but we say, do you have home ownership? Can you provide proof of that? that can sometimes push them over the edge to show that they can be qualified, right? Wait, wait, Bobby, you're asking if I'm a homeowner. Does that mean that you're going to take my home? <laughs> of course not, right? right? It's one of the things that people do ask. Yeah, your true. home is not, you're not co-signing your house to this deal. Exactly. But it shows that you're a responsible adult, mm -hmm. that you're able to have a home in order to, you know, just live your life versus right. renting. Exactly. So let's talk about what industries um, are a little bit easier to get approved. I know that we talked about, obviously, restaurants aren't the easiest, high risk uh, for trucking, sleeper trucks or long haul trucks. Mm -hmm. But um, let's talk about medical. Mm -hmm. Medical is an industry that is fairly easy to get approved. Right. And most of the time when it comes to a startup medical, though, the biggest thing that our lenders want to see is that there's a doctor on site or there's a nurse there, right? Not this Medispa stuff with, let's say, you and I want to open up a Medispa. What do we know about anything <laughs> about medical? Exactly. Right, but that happens all the time with yeah. these lasers and cryotherapy all and, types of and exist. freezing of fat. And right. the lenders look at that as kind of being a little hokey, mm -hmm. you know, whether you believe in it or not. Mm -hmm. it, it's to each their own with that. But lenders want to see, is there an actual physician that's using that equipment? Many times we have people that are investors that want to break into the medical world. Right. Is that easy to get approved? Not necessarily. Right. No. How about if I want to own a dentist office? Are you a dentist? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. But if I've been a business owner. Yeah. Right. I just bought this business. Yep. I just I invested into it. I had a hundred thousand dollars that I paid for the building. Mm -hmm. Why can't I get finance? I owned it now. Right. So right. we see those things. Right. What's nice though is that for a doctor who has a startup. A lot of times, as soon as they get out of medical school, that license that they have, we can use as time in business. Mm -hmm. That can be something different from their LLC that they may have established or their corporation that they may have established that can give us a little bit more leeway so that we can have some different programs for them. Hey, you make a great point. So a few things I just want to touch on, some things that will help prove time in business. Even if someone is still considered a startup and they're under two years or under three years, Medical license would be one, mm -hmm. maybe even a contractor's license. For construction. Yeah. Chiropractors, mm -hmm. they have a license as well. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely a few different ways where we can prove that someone's been practicing this trade of theirs mm -hmm. and be able to use that as time in business. Right. That's huge. And we talk about industries like medical is great. And we talk about yellow iron or construction industry is another great industry for getting approvals because we talk about licenses when you think of contracting in the construction industry. Plus the actual equipment itself, it retains its value for a very long time. Right. So it can be operating 
for way longer than let's say a sleeper truck can be operating with its maintenance. Mm -hmm. And it's resellable and those things last a really long time so that equipment is a little bit easier to get financed. Right. Now versus we talk about long haul and local. That's another thing, long haul, more risky, you're going all over the country versus locally in your state, we also know where the equipment is. Right, and you're, going, <laughs> you're sleeping in your, your bed every night, you're going home to your right. family versus you know, you're out on the road for long stints of time and that can be very stressful for people and most of the time, or some of the times that um, those business owners don't wanna continue at that point, it can be very exhausting. Exactly. I do wanna talk about the cost of a startup rates. <laughs> Right. We had to talk about it, right? <laughs> yes. So when it comes to the cost of a startup versus the cost of an established business coming in and getting a loan, right. have you had people come in and say, I am looking for a 6% rate mm -hmm. and I am a startup? Yeah, they're thinking that they can get under 10% uh, or single digit rates like that, but they have to know the expectations for a startup. Right. I believe everything we've mentioned could give people an expectation of what the lenders are looking at if they want to finance a startup. So right. the startups have to know that even if you have like the best credit without that industry experience and those type of things that we need time in business, we're still not going to be seeing the best type of rate for a startup. So right. those are expectations we have to know. So we, we have to talk about like a minimum FICOs and things like that that we can work with as a startup and have an expectation of the type of rates that we can see. Right. Do you have any examples? For FICOs? Yeah. I would say in the 600s, low 600s. <laughs> um, and again, everything's a moving target. Things right. are changing in our industry constantly. Um, but to say that everyone can come in with the, with, with the same FICO and, and get approved, mm -hmm would be misinformation. Right. When it comes down to it, it's not just about the score. Mm -hmm. It's about the credit history, the length of it. Exactly. Have you had credit for two years? Have you had credit for 10 years? Have you had credit for 25 years? Mm -hmm. Like you had mentioned before, are you a homeowner? Um, you know, are you leveraged? Right. Are you coming in with $40,000 in credit card debt? Or are you coming in with $40,000 available in credit card debt? Right. So a 620 FICO could be different for you. It could be different for me, mm -hmm. depending upon someone's history. So there's so many different factors that come into play in regards to what someone's FICO is. So many different moving parts you talk about. And it's not just going to be that credit or that FICO. It's going to be all of it coming together to get whole a, story. a whole picture of it. Because they could have all these things that line up. Let's say they have a medium FICO, but they have a really good comparable trade line. And then they have home ownership. Then they have industry experience. And they just so happen to be... Uh, someone who filed 1099 as an owner operator, then they would fit in this small little narrow box where some people had three of the four traits or two of the four traits, but you had all four, so you fit right in the box for that lender, right. lender's financing program. Right, now keep in mind, we work with well over 30 different lenders, banks, you name it. Right. So we have a ton of access to funding. Mm -hmm. One of the coolest things about our company is that we aren't just a direct lender, which means we don't just sell our one product. Right. That's like going to a supermarket that only sold one food brand of product. Mm -hmm. We are the supermarket that carries tons of different opportunities for mm -hmm. people. So do we have them all though? Can we finance everyone? No. Of course not. There is subprime lending out there. So we're not saying that we can finance everybody. There are some lenders out there that will take clients that are in the 400s, that are in exactly. the 500s. Keep in mind though, with that risk, that risk goes up that rate goes up, the cost of funding goes up because right. things are going to default more. So it's all in correlation to how 
clients in the past have made payments mm -hmm. is how they're proving transactions moving forward. Right. So, And that, like you said, goes back into expectations going into financing. Of course, uh, we can have a program where we say we like to work with those 600s. We have a gray area specialty, let's say even A to D. F credit, a lot of times no, one, no one's going to approve you. But there are programs like that. So we, we can have a program to even service you if you have a lower credit score. But at that time with that program, again, you have to have the expectation, maybe I'm going to have like a higher down payment, mm -hmm. upwards of 30 to 40%. Mm -hmm. And maybe that, you know, that rate is going to be up there because we're, the lenders are actually buying the risk from the client. And so because of that risk, there has to be some type of skin in the game on both parties. Right. Right. So Now, would you say that all of our clients are subprime and we only work with clients with bad credit? Of course, of course not. A lot of people right. think that because they think they can just go down to their bank. And a lot of banks don't want to buy deep mm -hmm. in startup businesses. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll take your home loan. They'll mm -hmm. take your child's, you know, school loans. Right. Maybe they'll do a vehicle for you. But lending to a small business owner is something that banks sometimes don't want to go directly to. Exactly. And sometimes there's banks that we work with or lenders that we work with that they only work directly with us in that business format of lending to small businesses and they don't do that directly. Right. Why is that? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. They don't have a customer service team to support it. Right. They don't have a sales team to facilitate the transaction from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And when it comes down to it, there's a reason why we are specialists in what we do. I mean, there's dealers that will go sign up with, with different lenders or equipment sellers that right. will sign up with, with different equipment lenders. And we will get things financed faster quicker and better deals for our clients versus what people are getting directly. Right. And it's because of the information that we're able to gather. Mm -hmm. right? And the options, having variety, right. uh, working with over 100 different credit portfolios. And we had to be straightforward about it. When it comes to A to A plus credit, yeah, anybody can knock that out of the park. <laughs> but when you're going a little bit down B, C, or even D credit, you have to be multivariate so that you can have different programs that can service needs of many different clients across the board. Right. And that's why a lot of people come to us. We have, we have some people that they have A-plus credit, but because of the type of equipment they have, their bank doesn't want to finance that right. piece of equipment. Right. So they would come to us and say, hey, is there a program for this specific piece of equipment? And we can find something that works simply based off the client instead of the equipment itself. So just a basic breakdown of what someone needs in order to apply for a startup business. Number one, we need to see a credit application. Mm -hmm. Number two, we need to see a quote on the equipment that they're looking to purchase. Mm -hmm. At least three months of bank statements showing some type of cash flow, a credit history that's showing that they have some type of comparable. Of course. And then industry experience, something that shows that they've been doing this and they, they know how to run this business. Mm -hmm. Anything else that you would add for tips and tricks to bring to the table? I think we pretty much covered it all, right? Okay. Just be prepared to answer questions. And I would say every startup should have a business plan like we talked about earlier. Having a business plan, knowing what you're getting into and knowing what you have to do to make sure that business is successful will help you know how you can secure financing in the end as well. Love it, love it, so be prepared. Yeah, be prepared. So I wanted to touch um, briefly on an honest conversation that I have with my clients, especially when they're a startup, is does this make sense for you? Does this payment make sense mm -hmm. for you? There's a lot of costs that come into play with starting a business. I know myself, I've, I've had my own business before and I was not prepared in regards to all the things that I needed 
to have not only the responsibilities, but the cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. You have insurance. You might need permits for different things. Those things get renewed on a regular basis. You have right. to pay fees to the Secretary of State. There's so, so many, many things that come into play. So when we have conversations with our clients, I have to say one of the things that we have to be completely honest with is, does this payment make sense for you? Are you going to have enough revenue? Because if your revenue expected revenue is $5,000 and your payment's 7000 how are we going to do this? And right. I understand the whole high risk, high reward, totally. But does it make better sense if your payment is maybe closer to 4000 when you talked about maybe getting less equipment, going right. in a little bit more conservative, right. getting the bare minimum, maybe getting an older piece of equipment, maybe getting something that's not as expensive, dropping down that payment so that way your revenue is a little bit more and, you know, if you're really concerned about the cost of funds in right. that sense, mm -hmm. maybe going with a shorter term. So these are open conversations that we have with our clients. So um, I always say is um, be prepared to have that conversation. You know, what looks, what feels more comfortable for you? Exactly. We'll, we'll give more options than less options. Exactly. Whether it's a higher down payment, right. a lower down payment, but what is comfortable for you on a monthly basis in order for this business to thrive? Yeah. And that's it. That's big. And we have to find some, yeah, finding some way to work around it. and. Going back to the high risk, high reward, if if we think about it, businesses are just high risk, high reward, like we talked about starting a business versus statistics and failure rates. So they know going into it, they have a chance to fail. So that means we have to be savvy about it, right? Right. There, there's going to be smarter ways and savvy ways to maintain your business. So if the payment makes sense, we got to go with what makes sense. You know, they say make it make sense. Smarter. Right? Hey, you got to be smarter about you gotta it. You got to do things smarter. <laughs> smarter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we got to make sense of it. If if uh, if you have a payment, right, you're going to be making 10K a month in revenue and your payment is 2500 regardless of you're saying you're taking a risk with the rates, look at the revenue that you're going to be making that's right. going to produce for your business. So is this going to be something that's going to be successful for your business and then it's going to be a fraction of what you can pay versus the revenue you can make? Right. So you may say, oh, I don't know about that rate. Well, you're a startup. Yeah. Will you be making money? Will this help your business succeed? Will this take you places? If it makes sense, you got to do what makes sense. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. Was there anything else that you wanted to add to this right now? Well, I do want to add, for instance, as Smarter, we are very passionate about helping small businesses grow. And I think that in this industry, everybody is bent on making a sale out of you. But startups run America. The equipment that we finance is like the bloodstream of our country. And so if we care about those clients and give them necessary resources and information so they can know going into it, how can I get this finance or what will be successful for our business? I think that we can make more of an impact and help a lot of our clients achieve their dreams and their success. Right, right. No, I think that's huge. I do think that's the difference in regards to not to be cheesy, but about our company <laughs> is that, well, it's true. We do care about it. it it's not about it's not about making a dollar, it's about helping someone. And exactly. I will say, when I have clients that call me and they, or they're sending me pictures of their equipment with their logo on it and they're so proud, yep. that makes my month, that makes my year when mm -hmm. people are that excited. So, and that, you're right, when people are, are that passionate about running their small businesses. So, right. 
I love it. If we've left out anything and you guys want to comment below and let us know something that we need to cover, or maybe questions that you have in regards to getting your business up and running, go ahead and comment below and let us know. Um, I also just wanted to say thank you for all the small, small businesses that are out there that have come to us and allowed us to be a part of getting their business up and running. I know that I've had tons of success stories as well as you and many account managers at our company that we get phone calls from our clients that say that they've had an amazing first six months or an amazing year or two years and we've grown with them and we've been right. with them for years. So um, that's what it's about is locking arms and uh, and growing. So thank you so much for your time today. Again, my name is Jennifer Casey and this is Bobby Jackson. And we're here for the Smarter Business Finance Podcast. Have a great day. Have a good one. Thanks for watching or listening. If you're listening through a podcast app, we would love it if you would be so kind as to leave a review. If you are watching this on YouTube, it would mean the world to us if you left a comment or gave us a big thumbs up. And lastly, if you're looking at us on the website, if you would let us know an episode that's of interest to you, that would be fantastic.